Welcome to the Real Estate Tech Insider Podcast, where we focus on innovation and technology in commercial real estate development. Your hosts are John Pugh and Rachel Walters. This podcast is produced by Push Through Media. Hi, my name is John Pugh. Welcome to the Real Estate Tech Insider. I'm here with Rachel Walters, and we're excited to be kicking off our podcast. So today we're going to have a conversation, just kind of the two of us, just talking a little bit more about what we're up to, some of the reasons why we're excited to share this podcast with you and to get this conversation going. So Rachel, if you wouldn't mind just giving us a quick intro of you, that'd be great. Okay, let's see. Make it quick. My background is in commercial real estate, mostly on the marketing innovation side. I then moved over to the startup PropTech, now really built world technology. And right now I'm consulting either for startups in the PropTech space or in commercial real estate marketing and growth strategies. And I also have a technology meetup called Boston Build Tech. So John, why don't you tell us what you're doing right now? Yeah, for sure. I'd love to. I'm a real estate developer. I uh, was just relocated down to Tampa, Florida from Boston, still doing a lot of things up north and looking to do some new projects down here in Florida. Also investing in some local businesses, startups, as well as some smaller businesses that we're looking to grow. So excited to kind of explore some things here. I've always had a really strong interest in tech and have actually worked at a tech startup, financial tech startup back uh a little while ago before I got into real estate development and uh, love to have this conversation. So let's kick it off. Awesome. I think the best way to kick it off is to tell us about your brainchild, this podcast, why (laughs) that you thought, you know, going into 2024 with a lot of the changes in commercial real estate and where you are with your entrepreneurial journey, if you can explain to our audience your ideas and thoughts for this podcast. Sure. Absolutely. This is something I've been thinking about doing for a long time, a couple of years now. I've always kind of wondered why there wasn't something that addressed specifically kind of what are some of the technology tools specifically that developers use to find projects, to manage projects, to work on approvals. I've always kind of wondered why there wasn't something specifically for that. So I'm excited to be able to share some of the things that I've learned belong in my experience, and then also help our audience, I think, in terms of sharing either insights or new technologies that we can learn about here on the show and find new ways to be more productive in 2024. I think 2024, you know, it's it's definitely a transitional period given where we are in the real estate cycle. There's a lot going on in terms of interest rates, construction costs, among a whole list of other things. So there's a lot of challenges for real estate development at the moment, but as always, I'm optimistic that things are going to to change for the better. And while we're in this somewhat of a holding period, really, you know, looking for ways to expand kind of our, our knowledge base and, and come out stronger when the cycle starts in a more positive direction, hopefully in the near future. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm sure you're seeing, though, maybe some new opportunities that are coming from this new place that commercial real estate's not used to being in. And also using this technology is going to help you be more efficient when you don't have maybe some of the resources or to save money. Is that like what you're thinking? 
Yeah, I think that's a pretty good way to frame it. I think there's going to be opportunities for to use technology to improve efficiencies in terms of our processes, right? Uh, whether it be finding projects or managing projects or just even using things that maybe weren't available to us previously, like using drones, for example, to manage and, and keep an eye on construction projects and, and progress. So there's a lot that's going on and there's a lot of really exciting technological advances. I think PropTech was kind of in its infancy, let's say, you know, six to 10 years ago. And I think there's been a huge amount of progress for a variety of reasons, but I think the biggest one being that there's been some real improvements in, in the internet of things and drone technology, just computing technology in general artificial intelligence. So, you know, excited to explore some of those avenues and ways in which we can create value for our listeners. Awesome. For those in the audience that do not know your background, can you give us a little history, maybe weaving in, you know, that it hasn't always been a straight path and how you got to entrepreneurship. Also, maybe tell us how, what you've learned playing basketball for so many years has woven in and out of the lessons learned to get you to where you are today? Yeah, sure. Certainly. I think most entrepreneurs realize that, you know, entrepreneurship's not, it's not necessarily usually a straight line for people, right? A straight path. I think you have to make that decision, right? At some point you have to say to yourself, Hey, I'm doing this, whatever it takes. And, you know, I had that realization probably Sometime around when I was in graduate school, I realized I wanted to, you know, have my own business, do my own thing. But I also recognize I need a certain amount of experience to have credibility, to attract partners, to attract opportunities. So going back to the very beginning, I was in, I grew up in Northern Virginia, played a lot of basketball, ended up going to Fordham University, playing basketball there. It's a Division One school, Atlantic 10 school. So we played some good competition and there was a lot of challenges, but also a lot of opportunities to learn. I think a bit, one of the big pieces that I learned was that, you know, you can work with people from very different places towards a common goal and, you know, either successfully or unsuccessfully. I was lucky enough, fortunate enough to have some great success, also had some really big challenges, certainly in college. And so I think having been on teams with people from all over the world, different parts of the country, different backgrounds, different cultures, I think really gave me the opportunity to learn from an early age that I wouldn't say life necessarily always a team sport. I think it is, but certainly real estate, you know, real estate entrepreneurship, real estate development is absolutely a team sport. And so I think that, you know, some of those were really kind of good early lessons for me. And then I got out of school. I went to Wall Street, worked for about five years, studied finance and art history in, at Fordham University, and then played professional basketball afterwards for about a year in Melbourne, Australia. Had a blast with that. Uh, a lot of fun, a lot of good experiences. Ended up getting injured, so I ended up calling it a career and moved into finance, worked on Wall Street for about five years. A big part of that focus was on working with guys and, and gals doing programmatic trading strategies. So that was a high stress environment, a lot of long nights and really enjoyed the process. You know, one of the things that we did was we designed a, a piece of software that allowed people to trade a particular spread strategy, which was being done, traded manually at the time. So that was a lot of fun. We had some success with that. And what I learned from that was actually really, I enjoyed the design process you know, the process of gathering the requirements from the users, understanding kind of what they wanted, what they needed, and then taking that and 
building something that was useful and functionally useful and helpful for people. But I got through the end of that process. We had some real success, ended up being a very impactful product for our company, Cantor Fitzgerald. And I guess at that point, I realized that I didn't really necessarily see a future in trading for myself. I wanted to get into something that was a little bit more tangible and real estate was definitely on my mind. But I ended up going to architectural school, got a master of architecture at MIT. And that was transformative, I think, for the most part, because I didn't know anything about building anything (laughs) when I went to MIT. You know, I could use a, a screwdriver and a hammer. Barely, but for the most part, I didn't really understand how buildings came together. I'm super curious about that. And so, yeah, so I got into, I worked in a couple of, I worked for Architectonica, which is a a large design firm based in Miami. They're all over the world. I actually worked in their Paris office, did an internship there, which was a great experience. I worked in in New York for a summer in a local shop doing some, we designed restaurants. So that was kind of a fun thing. But I got out of grad school. I ended up getting architectural registration, worked for about three years, and then transitioned into real estate pretty quickly thereafter. So a few years after I got out, I ended up getting a job with Samuels and Associates, which is a pretty large regional Boston-based development firm uh, focused on urban mixed-use development. At the time, it was primarily in the Fenway. They've got a couple of other areas where they're developing projects now, but that was where we were working at the time. So worked on a 1.3 million square foot mixed-use uh, redevelopment of an existing million square foot asset. We were adding 400 apartments and completely redoing the downstairs with a, a food hall and a variety of other changes to that building. And so that was really where I learned the business of development. Really great people, great experience. You know, it's funny. I was I was there for a week, and they took me to an award show. They had just been awarded the best developer in Boston at the time. That was 2013. So I, I'm very fortunate to have had some great people to learn from. So we came to the conclusion of that. That that project ended up changing a lot. I we ended, I worked on that all the way through the construction documents, and J.P. Morgan was the primary investment partner there. They had they owned. I think it was upwards of 2,500, 3,000 apartments within about five blocks. So they were interested in not necessarily going forward at that time. So they ended up shifting gears. I ended up shifting gears, going out on my own, connected with Andrew Consigli, who's a, uh, his family owns Consigli Construction. He was also an architect. And so we had some real uh, aligned interests. We wanted to get into the development, uh, both kind of doing our own thing in the development space. So we started looking for projects and let's say the rest is history. We've gone on to develop a couple of projects together, done some things on my own, recently completed a warehouse construction on about a hundred thousand square foot warehouse in Malden, Massachusetts. That was a, that was a uh, partnership with a family office, Dov Hertz, DH Property Holdings. So that's leasing now. So that's exciting. We sold an apartment building about a year and a half ago as well. And so we've had some good successes and then, you know, 2022, Interest rates started getting hiked, and and twenty twenty three is kind of a kind of a weird year. Spent a lot of time looking for properties, getting a few under agreement, and then and the construction prices continued to rise. So you know it's been a challenge, but I've been like I said, I've been fortunate to have had some great business partners and some great people to work with, and really fortunate to have been able to live this particular story so far. But I'm looking forward to continuing to write a new chapter, especially with this podcast and working with you, Rachel, and certainly excited to get things going. Yeah, there's so much to talk about and dive into. And just even in some of your current 
efforts and also in on the most recent. But, you know, one thing is always for sure is that commercial real estate is so small. And although we've been talking for months, I didn't realize you worked at Architectonica and they were the architecture firm in Miami on the mixed use development that I worked on. So you were in Paris, I was in Miami, <laughs> but, you know, it's small, small world. So although I'm sure the timing was right for you, still the transition to entrepreneurship is a big change to say the least. So especially also, you know, I think a lot of people are interested in investing. And when you leave these corporate environments, you know, these huge projects with big teams, what challenges, what opportunities, what things excited you about going on to your own and becoming an investor? You just said one or two things that I think are really important. One of which is when you're working on large projects with very large teams, there is a meaningful amount of money in terms of <laughs> yeah. salary and a safety net for employees. So when you decide to forego that, it's a bit of a leap of faith. And I think you have to have a pretty strong conviction that you know you really want to do something on your own. And you know, I'll tell you the first project that I worked on after that giant mixed-use project that was, you know, 401 Park is the name of it now. It was called Landmark Center when I was working on it. And uh, I went from working on that giant project, which is has, has actually been built and is very transformative in the Fenway neighborhood too. The first project I worked on with Andrew Consigli was a, we took a two family, we repositioned a two family into two condos. And I'll never forget I was standing in front of the door. I was responsible for the design piece and helping him with that and managing some of the project elements. I called Andrew and I, and I told him, I think I chose the wrong door color. <laughs> <laughs> so we're standing there and I'm, I'm on the phone with him. I said, hey, man, I feel really bad, but I, I, I think I, I forget what it was. It was like a brighter color and it was like a bright <laughs> red or something. I was like, I think it looks terrible. Like, this is the wrong color. I'm really sorry. Anyway, so he, he and I were talking a couple of years ago. We've been working together now for seven or eight years. A couple of years ago, and he goes, he's told me, he said, you know, when, when you called me and you were worried about the color of that door, that's when I knew it. you're somebody I wanted to work with because you cared about what you were doing, right? You cared about what you're doing. You're not writing it off because it just because it was a small project. And that really matters a lot, right? Like it, it, the details matter, having ownership matters and really wanting the best for the outcome of your the product, whatever the product might be. So that was a great experience. And, you know, it's one of those things that you remember. Nobody else will ever remember it other than yourself, right? But it's one of those things you remember, you think, oh, that was a tiny project. But you know what? I'll never forget. I remember thinking that, looking at that door, thinking like, this is a project that I own. Like, this is my project, right? And it's not, it's not JP Morgan's project. It's not someone else's project. It's my project. And that felt pretty good, even though I ended up making basically zero dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I still technically owned it, right? But it was cool, right? It was so that that is something that I think most entrepreneurs you have to have. Like you just have to want to own something that's yours. And you sink or swim based on your own effort and your own excellence. And if you aren't excellent, you sink. And if you're if you do well, if you you work hard and do your best, you know, you you do okay. So those are just some things that I feel like are really important as an entrepreneur. And I left out in that story that I did work for Consigli Construction for about three years during kind of in the middle of my entrepreneurial story. You know, I needed some cash flow. I wasn't making really any money. And I was looking for projects. We ended up finding a good project that we ended up executing, making some good money on. But it was, 
you know, I had to find a way to pay the bills. So yeah, most entrepreneurial juries aren't straightforward. And, and I had an amazing experience at Consiglia. I learned a ton. I learned a lot about how you actually build a building and being on site every day. As an architect, there are some architects that spend a lot of time on site and they do the contract administration and that piece, but a lot don't. And at that point, I hadn't really spent that much time on a construction site. And I learned a ton just by being there every day. That's a great point. Speaking of Landmark Center, that is where I went to my first commercial real estate technology event That's to bring it cool. around again. So like you said, prop tech, commercial real estate technology is still you know, in its infancy, but it'd be great to hear where you started to see it in your career and then where you started to weave it into your work. And now I know you're all in. So if you can kind of talk about your journey with technology and why you're so pro construction and commercial real estate using technology and innovation. The idea that commercial real estate is fully kind of built out in terms of tech stack is untrue, right? There's still so much to be done in terms of improving processes. Having worked in financial technology where so much of it is just straight up technology, like, you know, so much of finance is based on software and technology. And I think having come from that industry into real estate and construction, which is so hands-on and so intensive in terms of, you know, people's human involvement, you can't help but see opportunities everywhere for yeah. improvement, right? So in terms of my experience, I spent three and a half years at MIT and I learned a lot about design software, whether everything from 3 modeling to digital fabrication. As you can imagine, we had access to all the latest technology, 3D printing, et cetera. And so I learned about all those technologies and then I got out into the real world and realized that a lot of them weren't being used. Or at least some of them were being used, but not necessarily to their fullest extent. And so much of technological adoption is based on the people in charge, right? And the people in charge and their age and their generation and what their processes are, what works for them and, you know, how tech savvy they might be. I mean, I've worked with people who wrote everything in a notebook and literally didn't use a computer. They just used the phone and they used a notebook. And then they had a giant filing cabinet <laughs> and, and I, all the way up to people who have five computer monitors and spend all day long trading bonds and futures. So they're fully plugged in, right? So there's just a huge gamut in terms of the way that people have adopted technology. But when you get into commercial real estate, what I've seen that's been useful that, that I actually think is a good, really a good improvement is a lot of its communication technology, whether it be communications like Procore, right? Procore is a great example. Procore in the use of construction management for projects. It's a blessing because everyone is looking at the same documents. It's not, it's not perfect. There's imperfections. But when everyone has access to the same drawings and everyone knows what the latest set of drawings has and there's a lot less opportunities for people to have confusion and misunderstandings, which is the name of the game in construction, unfortunately. There's always confusion and misunderstandings, and the more you can minimize that, the better. Same goes for, there's a company by the name of Co-Urbanize, a friend of mine, Karen Brandt. She created that many years ago. 
And we've used that before to help us manage the approvals process in terms of the conversation with the public, right? So forever, people would go to the local coffee shop, the local grocery store, the, you know, we... I've spent time at the town dump because that's where everybody would, you know, everyone would show up at the town dump at some point in, in Lincoln, Massachusetts, because that <laughs> they didn't, they didn't have, most people didn't, didn't have the pickup. So people, you go there and you talk to people about your project. So, <laughs> which just sounds ridiculous, but, and, and clearly in person is always best in terms of relationships, but by using you know co-urbanize as an example, you can reach out to way more people way more quickly and communicate and cut through a lot of the noise that's created by maybe the neighbors misunderstand the situation and what's being proposed, or they're intentionally misrepresenting it, which does happen from time to time. And that sows concern amongst people unnecessarily. So with the use of co-urbanized, you know, we can put up, hey, these are the latest drawings. This is what's actually being proposed. These are the reports in terms of engineering, in terms of traffic studies. These are things that we are working on in terms of giving you more answers and more information to. And so you can address some of those concerns. So I think those communications technologies have been super effective. There's another piece of technology we used with one of our multifamilies. I'm blanking on the name at the moment, but that was used to communicate with tenants between our property managers and as owners, we could kind of keep tabs as to what was being said and what were the, some of the questions, what were some of the challenges. So again, all those tools to more effectively communicate with people and bring people together, effectively create a community. And then that specific example, really, I think we're transformative in a lot of ways, right? Of course. Yeah. So those are some of the things that I've seen you know, the things that I've worked with and I've seen opportunities for, you know, the use of drones is pretty big in terms of keeping an eye on construction sites and sharing kind of real-time information. Those are, you know, I was connected to cameras and things. Robots we used when we were, I was working on the Harvard Campus Center construction project. It was a live uh, building, meaning there were people in the building. It was only half empty. We were demolishing a floor of a building that was connected to the larger building. It was very dangerous. Typically, they would have had to send the guys out to demolish the floor while they were standing on the floor. So we brought in robots from, I think it was Sweden. I want to say it was Sweden and brought the robots in, control the robots remotely to jackhammer up the floor instead of putting someone's life at risk, right? So, so those are good examples, I think. And then artificial intelligence is something that we're, you know, we're going to dig into. All those things, you know, I think super transformative, artificial intelligence in terms of digging through data, identifying new opportunities, you know, identifying trends that are important for people to maybe be aware of, whether they be at the building or facility level, whether it be at the city level, the national level, what are trends for, um, you know, generational trends. Um, so there's a lot of different things that I'm excited to learn more about. I've always been watching and I've been looking to bring them in wherever I can to make my business more effective. But like any other business owner, I think you only do it when you kind of have to, right? Because you're like, oh, gee, or you're presented with, hey, there's these options. And then you say, okay, well, we know this works. Do we want to really try this? Because it might not be worth our time and money, et cetera, et cetera. So, so I think the thing I'm really excited about with this show is it's going to give us an opportunity to look at some things systematically and talk through like, oh, these are new things that people are using and learn more about what other people are using. 
whether it be in construction or design or any part of the development process. So that's what I'm excited about. This episode is sponsored by Pew Investments. Pew Investments focuses on investing in real estate related technology companies. Visit our website at pew.investments to learn more. Are you hopeful that, you know, this may be slower time that more people in commercial real estate will take this as an opportunity to maybe start to learn or invest in some of these innovations and technologies? It's competitive, right? So I don't hope that everybody does. <laughs> <laughs> but that being said, I think people will. They already are, so. right? In, ter- <laughs> in terms of investing in their their technology stack and their uh, their options, in terms of improving efficiency, I think all those pieces are definitely things that people are looking at and considering. And it's also kind of on the flip side of that, right? When you and I were talking about. This is the time when people start things, start new ventures, start new, whether it be technology ventures or new types of real estate ventures. So to me, that's a really exciting thing. Like if you look back at 2008, 2009, that time period, a lot of great companies were founded then. 100%. 10 years before that. So, so on and so forth. There's lots of opportunity when there's disruption in the marketplace. So here we are. Yeah, (laughs) very positive. What technologies are you looking at or, you know, what are you thinking about in terms of investing and ways technology can help you maybe more efficiently find deals, close deals? Like, is that something you're also exploring? Yeah, I am. One of the things that I particularly believe in is the use of digital marketing, digital media strategies to reach more people. It's one of the reasons we're doing the podcast. I mean, Clearly, there's lots of people with podcasts, so it's not necessarily a new thing, but it's using existing technologies to reach more people. So I really like digital marketing, digital media companies. And so I've been looking at investing in some of those as complementary to my real estate business. I just investing in a company that is called Productive AI and Productive AI is doing they're basically a, an AI assistant that listens to your phone call and then they create notes and then they create meetings based on your conversation. So if you and I said, hey, let's talk about this new ta- this new project on Tuesday at 2 p.m. Uh, via, over Zoom, it would, it would set up that meeting for you, which is very useful for people, whether they're in construction management or commercial real estate brokers. So... There's a lot of those types of technologies that I think are, are interesting being developed. And I think we're going to learn a lot more. I mean, I've used a couple of different tools to try and find, you know, for acquisition purposes. Let's just say they weren't perfect. <laughs> so I'm not using them anymore. But that being said, I know there's some that have been, this is, you know, a couple of years back when I was using, I was using a particular company I won't name, but there's, I know there's been a lot of improvements in that realm. So yeah, looks excited to learn more and find new opportunities to improve things. That's a good point also is that, you know, and I think COVID really showed that not only do commercial real estate and construction companies, you know, the AEC industry need to adopt technology to make their projects more efficient, but also you need to adopt these in your own office, right? Like many people didn't have Zoom or Slack or Teams. And so like what you're saying right now is, you know, instead of having a huge team or having someone take notes for you to be able to run more efficiently 
And I think you and I have had a lot of these discussions and we hope to highlight a lot of people on our podcast that may have been in corporate and, you know, worked for these large REITs or large development companies, which is amazing, you know, get some great experience, but now are starting on their own, you know, whether they chose to or not. But this is the time where new partnerships are going to be brought together. You know, people who had some big backers, like you've said, to build huge multifamily projects, maybe are going to start with a smaller multifamily project like you did, and then continue to grow it. And, you know, you and I have given a lot of examples of companies that we know in Boston, extremely successful right now, some of the top developers that came out of the recession and came out of stalled projects. So I think this is going to be, you know, a really great opportunity for us not only to interview people who are creating these technologies and these innovations, but people that are using them or people who have left these large corporations with a lot of resources that can use note-taking or use other things to be efficient as a small team. Yeah, absolutely. And I think whether it's interviewing a developer, you know, middle market uh, developer who's kind of on their own or, small, you know, kind of started a small partnership or somebody who's got a new technology or trying things out and sharing some of what we found, I think all those things will be useful for the viewers and listeners. Yeah. And also a thing that I am always curious on, and I think any investors, one, they love to hear the stories of how people started because once you're big, you sort of forget those stories of starting off and some of the rough things. But also I think people want to know, like, how are you finding partners? And I know like this podcast being an example to like put it out there and to have people, more people be able to reach you. But I know you're using some more internet options, software programs. So, you know, if you could talk a little bit more about, you know, how you plan on using these technologies to grow your partnership opportunities and your investment opportunities. It's funny. Like I, you know, when I first started out, nobody wanted to be my business partner. So (laughs) they didn't have any capital, right? You don't have any capital. People don't really want to be your business partner. Yeah, they have to have capital, you have to have a great idea, you have to have credibility, right? You have to want one of those three things, or hopefully all three of them if you can. So yeah, I think some amount of success begins to attract additional opportunities, which is good. But when you're just starting out, I think your best option is to find people who have aligned interests where you have a complementary skill set. So maybe you know a lot about marketing you know, large multifamily developments, right? And I know a lot about building large multifamily developments. Then you and I find a person who's great and has a lot of experience financing large multifamily projects. Then you've got a pretty good team, right? So you just have to find people who know things that you don't know and want to do the same things. (laughs) That to me is the best advice. And then also people that are entrepreneurial by nature. I think not everybody is. It's kind of a buzzword. Everybody likes talking about how they want to be an entrepreneur. It's kind of a cool thing to talk about. But yeah, not everybody is. And that's okay. I still think there's a lot to learn from entrepreneurs, even if you're not necessarily want to be one full time. But I think there are great ways to build partnerships. And the best way that I've found is through friends of friends, for example, One of our friends, uh, Zoya, introduced us. And when you have that kind of social credibility, or there's instant credibility, right, based on the fact that I have a huge amount of respect for her, and so do you, and you have a good relationship, 
I instantly respect you, right? I think there's just kind of looking for those opportunities in terms of people that you know and trust, letting people know what you're doing. Hey, this is what I'm up to. This is what I'm doing. I'm doing this. The more you talk about it, the more real it becomes and the more people are talking about what you're doing and they're mentioning it to other people. And then next thing you know, you've got, you've got people there, you know, my friend of mine's doing this and they really know a lot about it. Maybe you should talk to him or her, but you kind of have to go out and talk. You have to go out and talk to people, right? You can't hide in your closet and hope somebody shows up because they won't. (laughs) So it's probably twofold for you. I know in person and relationships is huge for you, but there is also this digital component, right? Like the fact that we haven't met in person I know you're very active on LinkedIn. Do you want to plug your company websites right now? You know, I know you have this digital presence that, and your newsletter. So you are trying to show what you've been doing. So people who are, like you said, like aligning with your goals and your, your mission can find you. Yeah, absolutely. I've been actively on social media, connecting with people for since COVID. I, I didn't really do it at all until COVID hit. And I was sitting in our house and I was thinking to myself, I hadn't talked to anybody in person in you know four months or whatever crazy it was. And I remember thinking, what, like, how do I connect with people? Like, how do I keep a conversation? How do I connect with new people? Or how do I connect with people that I know, but I haven't talked to in six months or a year and that I think are important parts of my network? So I started posting on LinkedIn. I started posting videos on LinkedIn. Unfortunately, they're still up there. (laughs) (laughs) But I was really just trying to reach out to people and connect with people and share some of the things that I was doing and, and things that I was thinking about. And it was amazing. I ended up getting all these people kind of reaching out to me and then suddenly... I had people that were interested in investing in projects that I was doing, and it was awesome. It was really a great experience in terms of the connections. And it kind of turned a light bulb in my head on and said, hey, this is something that could be valuable. That being said, at the time, I was a little bit in a tough situation from an entrepreneur standpoint because I was waiting on a, a project to sell and I did this kind of in between in terms of money. So I wasn't able to go and capitalize on some of those things, which is a little frustrating, but this is part of the journey, right? You kind of have to just keep going. But I learned that. I learned that lesson there, right? And so now I have a newsletter on Substack called The Lineup with John Pugh, where I'm going to be you know, talking about some of the things we're talking about here on the newsletter, really looking at things whether it's technology, placemaking, development, all those pieces, those, the audience is really a very similar audience. It's entrepreneurs who are looking to either kind of grow their business or get into a more entrepreneurial position through real estate. So that's something we're working on. We're also working on a social media campaign where both on Twitter and LinkedIn, we're going to be sharing more from a regular posting standpoint. And then finally, I've been using a company by the name of Copilot.ai and reaching out to owners of companies that we're looking at potentially, you know, we'd like to acquire more companies. So looking at some opportunities, uh, had been reaching out to a lot of digital marketing executives and owners and still continuing to do that and also expanding more into the real estate space and different people we can partner with. But, you know, at this point, I have a lot of great investment partners. I'm not necessarily in a position where I need a ton more. So 
Always interested in business partners, though, people that we can work together with, people that have new opportunities we can potentially both create a common win on. So to me, there's a lot to be done and using, whether it be social media, podcasts, a newsletter, connecting with people, sharing things that are educational and helpful, as well as hopeful, (laughs) um, I think are things that I'm excited about doing this year. That's awesome. So with your looking at digital marketing, is that something that you are going to acquire and run separately? Or do you think you'll look to, and and in technologies also, to bring more into the commercial real estate fold? That's a good question. I think I'd like to bring it more into the commercial real estate fold. I think there's a lot of opportunities where the benefits outweigh the costs uh, in a lot of ways. That being said, it has to be done strategically. It has to be the right, either the right company or the right kind of business line. And we have to figure out how to integrate it the right way. To me, that's kind of the challenge. That being said, got some partners that I'm working with that I think have really great, again, complementary skill sets and aligned interests. But I think it's funny. What you know, when I mentioned I work with Samuels, they're fantastic at marketing, they're fantastic at placemaking. I'm very fortunate again to work with those guys. And one of the things that I think was in addition to a lot of other things, but I think their view on marketing and branding and positioning is super, super strong and benefits their business in a lot of ways. And everything like the Verb Hotel is a great example of that, yeah. right? Like the Verb Hotel is like Super cool, fun place to hang out. Old Howard Johnson that was turned into a yeah. really cool part of place in town, right? And strategically, that's not a home run. That's like a that's like a single or a double in terms of the income it's produced. And maybe ten years from now, it turns into a much larger building. But it's smart from a branding and positioning standpoint in that neighborhood where they own a lot of property, right? So thinking about things like that strategically, I think are great. Those are kind of examples of where they created a physical brand, visible brand really strongly. There were some visual marketing strategies around that as well. But I think there's even more opportunity in digital today, kind of, but like in a similar kind of parallel way. Yeah. You and I have talked a lot about there are these companies that are doing it well, like Samuels, but again, they have great resources, right? And I know one of the placemaking firms they use is amazing. You know, they can hire their team. So I think we've also, though, talked about there's this missing space outside of the major cities, maybe outside a Class A office. So how can brokers in that area or people who are not working on these huge build the suit or million square foot class A office that have amazing marketing and branding opportunities and marketing budgets, how do they have similar resources? So how can they use technology to almost mimic, right? Or to reduce the cost of having, instead of hiring an architect, you know, or hiring these marketing firms that you can do a piece maybe, or have a fractional team. So, you know, I think there's some opportunities there that you've pointed out, right? Yeah. I think the use of social media by smaller groups, such as myself, can be done to very high level of effect, right? Very high impact at a meaningful discount in terms of cost. So you don't necessarily need to own a digital marketing company to do smart things in digital media. 
And I mean, just like the fact like Twitter, right? Like everybody now X, let's call it Twitter. (laughs) The use of that is a megaphone and millions and millions of people are connected to it. And even if you're not on Twitter, which is totally fine because I certainly wasn't until a few months ago, even if you're not on Twitter, the message still goes out, right? And it reverberates through the world. And you may not look at the tweet, but somebody you know probably looked at the tweet. And then that is suddenly part of the conversation, right? So like there's just this amazing way to connect with people for free. And the idea that you have to have, like, what do you have to have? You have to have a good idea. You have to share it with people, be helpful in some way or create value for people in some way, whether it be making them laugh or giving them some meaningful content that they can use or food for thought for future investments or projects, something of value. And suddenly your brand is associated with that value. And you could just be not worth a billion dollars and have a billion dollar impact pretty quickly. So yeah, I'm not breaking any new ground here, but I think the idea that using social media in commercial real estate is in my mind, vastly underused and it's used in a way that's extremely formulaic and uncreative. And as a result, it hasn't been that impactful, I think. Uh, So I think there's real meaningful ways for people to do things. And I'm generalizing. There definitely are people that have done some kind of cool things, but I'm just speaking kind of broadly. So yeah, I think there's a real opportunity there that is yet to be seized. And I think a big piece of that is generational, right? There's still our parents' generation that are making some of the big spending decisions in larger commercial real estate development companies. And Hey, we've always done it this way. So why are we going to change it? Right. And that's okay. But I think our generation, generation X, generation Z and all the millennials and everybody else, like I think those generations who are more technology native or whatever the right word is at this point, I think those those groups, those generations are going to be way more connected. Like I was thinking about earlier, like how much time do you spend on either the internet or on video calls like this or on your computer? Like how much more time do you spend, you know, connected digitally than you do in person? And I think the, to me, as much as much I hate to say it, I think I definitely spend probably 60% of my day connected digitally. And it's not terrible, but it's also, it's not good personally, I guess, as well, as well, personally as it could be, but like, that's reality, right? So here we are, let's make the most of it. And in terms of marketing, like it's all about eyeballs. Are you in front of enough people for them to know who you are and what you're doing? So yeah. anyways, that's my take on it. I think there's a lot of effective and I'm not going to necessarily reinvent the wheel and create some amazing thing certainly today, but I think there's opportunities for us, for you and I, and for other people who are thinking strategically about the use of it in commercial real estate. For sure. Yeah, that's a great idea for sure. So I know we've talked a lot about different technologies that you use, ones you're exciting about, but just if you have any final thoughts of things that you are excited about for this podcast and for 2024 that you haven't mentioned that you want to bring up before we go? I wouldn't say there's anything specific that I want to talk about. I think the biggest thing is that I'm excited to learn more with you together about, you know, where are the new opportunities? Where can we find value for our listeners? Where can we find opportunities for 
improvement. So whether it's helping a young person move up the ladder within the development space or go out on their own and do things more entrepreneurially because we can help them find tools which will allow them uh, lower cost to be you know make larger impacts so those are the things that I'm really excited about looking at and, f- and learning more about so I think hopefully we get to learn together and with our viewers and, and listeners so I'm super excited about that yeah that's a great closing statement and I hope everyone is along for the ride as we learn and grow and share our journeys and, you know, are really honest about the challenges, but we are both optimistic. So it'll be a good year. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you everybody for listening to the Real Estate Tech Insider. We look forward to speaking again with you real soon. Thank you for tuning in to the Real Estate Tech Insider podcast. The show notes and links are on our website realestatetechinsider.transistor.fm. Subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts so you'll never miss an episode. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. And connect with John and Rachel on LinkedIn.